Your dreams can be your reality. You all, time isn't real. Okay, that is fucking crazy. Spirituality, manifestation, travel, money, entrepreneurship. Welcome to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Wright. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back for another episode of In My Non-Expert Opinion. We're back with March Madness, aka dropping two episodes a week this month. I really wanted you to hear from all the incredible women I've had the amazing opportunity of interviewing, including entrepreneurs, multi-passionates, money mindset coaches. I mean, I have learned so much in these past few months just from interviewing them, and I'm really hoping that you guys are learning just as much as I am. Now, if you are an entrepreneur or a business owner, you know how rocky the road of entrepreneurship is or starting your own business. And I imagine your path went something like this. You have an amazing idea and you're like, holy shit, this is it. I could turn this into a business. This is what I'm good at. People tell me I'm good at it. I can already visualize myself doing this for a very long period of time. Your whole body lights up and you're like, this is it. I'm starting my business. At least that's how I felt. And then you get obsessed with it and you pour your heart and soul into it. And you are learning, you're investing in yourself, you're hiring mentors, coaches, and you're just trying to grasp as much knowledge as you can about the business space, about finances, about hiring, about pricing. You're just trying to learn everything you can. And usually in the beginning, you're very excited. Then there becomes a point and I feel like many of you can relate to this, where you're overwhelmed and you're like, oh my God, I'm in 18 memberships. I have four mentors. I have a consult tomorrow. I have a tarot card reading. I have a healing session. I have so many things on my calendar because not only am I overwhelmed with information, I also need time to tap back into my body and my mental health and my spirituality to integrate all this. And then you start to doubt what's going on. And you're like, do I really have the guts to see this vision through? Am I really equipped for this road? This is lonely. This is hard. This is expensive. This is exhausting. I'm burnt out. And a lot of people throw in the towel at that point. I don't think a lot of people talk about that period where you're excited and then the excitement kind of wears off because things just get overwhelming and difficult. And that period really is that make or break period of are you going to stick it out? And I really find it interesting that we don't give ourselves enough credit as entrepreneurs. We're all of a sudden expected to be, we're expecting this of ourselves, that we need to be specialists and experts and the top, credible, most knowledgeable person on every single thing we do inside our business. And that's a lot of pressure, especially if you didn't go to school for any of those things. I actually went to school for digital media and storytelling and broadcast journalism and reporting and hosting. I did not go to school for business. I didn't go to school to understand investments and finances and profit and loss. I didn't understand how to hire people. I'm still learning that stuff. I'm still learning about systems and structures. And so I knew it was important to bring on an actual serial entrepreneur who's been in the game for years to give her advice on entrepreneurship. So today I am so excited for you to hear from Whitney Eckes. She's the founder and CEO of Eckes Marketing, which is a creative communications agency based out of San Diego, California. She spent the last seven years, okay, seven years perfecting the practices of growing brands and businesses in the digital space. 
ICUS Marketing elevates brands through social media marketing, influencer relations, branding, and creative strategy. I grilled Whitney about entrepreneurship very selfishly, but also because I know if I have these questions, there's definitely people that are listening that have the same. We talk about hiring, about mental health, about asking for help from your team and receiving that help, about setting expectations with clients in your team. We talk about money management. This is like one thing I feel like that does not get talked about a lot. You're all of a sudden supposed to be an entrepreneur and understand cash flow and business expenses and profit and loss and revenue and all these different things that you just, if you didn't learn how to do that growing up, it's really hard. So I asked her about that. And then at what point do you hire full-time team members? What if you don't have the cash to actually hire a team member? What do you do in that instance? How do you find help when resources are low? We cover a lot of ground in this episode. I will say some of it is very entrepreneurial. So if you're not into entrepreneurship or business or starting one, this may not be the episode for you, but I do think you could learn a lot if that's on your mind. I know I learned a lot and I know you're going to learn so much from Whitney, who's been in the game for seven years, not only running Ekus Marketing, but launching product as well, which we get into. So get ready, buckle up. This is an incredible interview. One quick exciting announcement before we jump into this interview. I have a free masterclass coming up on March 23rd at noon called How to Launch a Podcast with Strategy and Soul. So if you've been wanting to launch a podcast, but you don't know where to start, you're nervous, you're overwhelmed, you're confused, this class is for you. This is going to help you not only get your ideas out onto paper and understand how to strategize how to launch a podcast, but I'm going to walk you through every single step. I'm giving you resources, tools, and we're even going to go through case studies of people that have started podcasts and what success and opportunities that has brought them. So you can sign up at the link in my show notes. You can also DM me at Chelsea Ripe if you have any questions. But if you've been sitting on the idea of starting a podcast for a very long time, I think you're going to want to attend this masterclass. Again, link is in show notes, and I hope to see you inside. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I am joined by serial entrepreneur and marketing guru, Whitney Eckes. She is the founder of Eckes Marketing and Get Super. Welcome to the show, Whitney. Thank you so much for having me on, Chelsea. I'm so excited. I'm so excited you're here because I selfishly have a lot of questions, but I also know (laughs) they will help my audience who is consisting of a lot of new entrepreneurs or people that are maybe like two to three years in their journey. And you seem to really have really nailed down what you do in your entrepreneurship journey. But I'm curious, were you always entrepreneurial or did this come later in life? Like, how did you get here? Yeah, it, no, I wouldn't say I was always entrepreneurial. I would say that I always had a love for being creative. Like I've always naturally been very creative and very driven to just kind of do things that were like really out of the box. Like one of my first jobs, like I was like, I don't want like a normal job. Like I want to work for Red Bull. Like I really was like always kind of into just anything that was like out of the norm or different or creative or was just really disruptive. And um, really, I became entrepreneurial when I had left this hospitality group that I was working working for right out of college and was like, I can be doing what I'm doing with this hospitality group for myself. And so kind of through that, it was like more or less like kind of like freelancing. But then within like our second or third year, I forget which exactly. Um, we, I was like, I, I'm turning this into an agency and I'm going to hire people to really like come on board with my team and, or build a team. And so, yeah. Now you're here. I feel now like I'm here. 
hiring and building a team. When I used to hear that, I didn't understand that you could hire out contractors or freelancers, or you could hire people full time. And I feel like a lot of times when people say hire, they don't know which one we're talking about. So can you just talk about hiring and what was it like hiring, finding the budget to hire, like the whole process? Yeah. So I feel like I definitely hired like way too early. Um, and I, I feel like I was kind of like being like coerced into like hiring an assistant and like having people help me. And quite honestly, I feel like the way that I look at it now is like, I really kind of wish I would have had more of a structure and a system and really had like an idea of like what I was hiring for before I just started bringing people on to basically execute tasks. And I think there's a difference in hiring someone for a specific role and having them lead a specific, you know, system or project or overseeing, you know, management or anything like that versus just hiring someone to help you with tasks. And I feel like now we live in such an age where it's like we have Fiverr, we have Upwork, we have these really awesome tools that I necessarily like didn't really know about when I first started. And so I was really bringing on, you know, kind of these people that necessarily weren't, I was like, let me have the best way to describe this is I was like bringing on people and like selling them the vision and then they were executing tasks, but I was teaching them how to execute tasks. Mm. And so that was a really big learning curve for me, especially when I started hiring you know, more senior level people or started training and investing more into my company culture. And so looking at that now, like when, like, I didn't really know what I was doing back then. And now the way that I go about hiring is really ensuring that number one, like they have the right energy, like they're an energy that wants to be a part of this team. They're wanting to work with our clients. They're wanting to work alongside me because let's face it, they have to talk to me every day. Um, and Second, you know, really finding someone that has the ambition and skill set where they are wanting to bring more to this role than just executing the task or getting the job done. And that has taken almost five years to really understand who to look for. And even still, you know, I have to, I take such a long time to hire people because I truly have to feel into you know, are they going to be a good fit in this company? Are they going to enjoy their, you know, day-to-day tasks? But also too, are they going to be bringing something so much more and something so much larger to this agency? Because honestly, we're still growing. Um, And so that's something that even now within the last like year and a half, I've really come to a realization with when it comes to my hiring is that it's not just me hiring like the best senior talent or paying the highest salary. It's really looking for someone that's going to be a good fit for our team and really understand the company. Oh, this is such good advice. And I feel like something to double click on is not hiring task executors, but people that are forward thinkers and yeah. actually can like take on that role. I, I've been there too, where I've hired an assistant where I'm like, I'm just giving you a to-do list every day where mm-hmm. if I maybe manage my time better, I could do it where I was like, I need someone to see my white space and the gaps and be like, Chelsea, this is really inefficient. Why don't we do this? Let yeah. me handle this. Let me do this. And then they're just that person, not me wearing 12 different hats. And yeah, I think a lot of people wear the 12 different hats. And like you said, they're not really sure where to outsource or how to figure out what their strengths and weaknesses are. So how would you recommend someone that's maybe newer in business finding out those strengths and weaknesses? It's so funny because we literally just hired 
this incredible, she's my executive assistant, but literally her whole job is my efficiency mm-hmm. and my team's efficiency. So like she just built out, I think she just took like, honestly, like a month and built out like a whole system processing like um, project manager inside of Notion. She rewrote all of our SOPs. She basically meets with like myself and my team to make sure like we are staying efficient. And I, I mean, we are in our fourth year business and it took me four years to figure out that like, that's what I was needing. Um, So it's not like, it's very common. Like we Mm -hmm. go about as entrepreneurs, like we already wear so many hats. We're already doing so much different shit that like it, it, we're, we're, we're controlling the situation the best way we know how. And so for us, honestly, it really came down to me wanting to scale the agency to a whole nother level in 2022 and being like, okay, what, what's lagging? You know, what is basically causing us to not be super efficient or to take up my team's hours? And it's not really equating into all this revenue. Like where's, where's the disconnect? And, um, really honestly, I would say as an entrepreneur, open yourself up to feedback, like open yourself up to sitting down with your team and asking them what's working and what's not. That was wildly enlightening when I did that. (laughs) Um, and then also to ask them, I mean, again, we're like service-based, right? So like one of my questions was, what do you not enjoy doing? What do you feel like moves the needle? And what do you feel like is a time suck that also doesn't really move the needle for clients? And honestly, it came down to like this one core service that we were offering that was like part of these packages. And it was taking up maybe five to seven hours of their week that just wasn't equating into anything. And so we were like, okay, that's got to go. Second, I opened myself up to a lot of feedback from other agency owners. And then also to basically talking with my, my, one of my girls actually referred our executive assistant. And she's like, I've worked in this other company and she worked alongside of me in this other company. She's like, and I feel like it's worth a conversation. And I basically chatted with her and she's like, yeah, she's like, you guys honestly have like all your shit together and you're so organized. She's like, but like, you guys are really kind of doing things in like this old traditional way. Like we were leading our meeting agenda and like action items on like a Google doc versus like putting in like a timeline system or, you know, different items to kind of track the productivity and like the process of managing these various projects for clients. And so that I know that was long winded, but that's like my advice is number one, open yourself up to your team and what they're seeing, because if they're on the ground floor, they're seeing a way different view than you are. And then number two, open yourself up to whether it's like a mentor or someone that has the expertise to come in and look at the guts of your company and be like, hey, like this is why you know, you're not hitting this revenue or this is what's slowing your team down or this is why they're overworked. And honestly, like investing in that too has made all the difference for for the agency. Oh, such a helpful answer. I feel like people are taking notes. If you're not, pause (laughs) this, go back, take notes because I think this is something that uh, the feedback piece, a lot of us are scared of feedback because sometimes we take it personal. Like, am I a bad manager? Am I a bad teammate? But the way you think of it is the alternate, like, what am I going to do? Just keep being a bad manager and we're going to keep rolling at this steady pace and not growing and having clunky systems. And you, like you said, hire Mm -hmm. someone that knows it better than you do. Um, I did the same thing I hired. I realized this actually over the course of the year, I kept investing in courses and memberships Mm -hmm. and coaches and it clicked. I don't need that. I need a systems specialist. 
Sounds like what your executive assistant is. This person is an expert in this area and can come look and be like, this process makes absolutely no sense. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing this manually? Let's automate this. That didn't click for me until two years in. And I like that you're transparent about, yeah, this took four or five years. This wasn't like month one, figured it out. So can you talk a little bit about the beginning? Like, were there times where you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Let me just go back (laughs) to another job. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at one point, okay, there was one, I mean, my first year I had 15 clients. I had one person helping me. And I think all those clients were maybe, maybe paying me $500. Like not a good system at all. And I was literally like, what the hell am I doing? And also too, I mean, I was, I was 22 years old. So that also kind of was like, probably the most money I'd ever made in my career. But also I was like, this is way too, like I'm overwhelmed. Like I'm missing everything. Um, And so, and when you go to start, I mean, again, my story is really different because I didn't come from an agency background. I didn't come from, um, you know, someone that had worked a lot. Like I, I just, I was so green and so new that I knew social media really well. And I had been marketing, you know, I'd got my marketing experience from, Red Bull and from, you know, the hospitality group that was representing Hilton and Marriott. So I knew the gist, like I knew the dance and I knew how to execute social media. I did not know anything about how to structure an agency and how to run an agency. Um, So with that, one of the things that I did was I honestly, I remember doing this. I wrote out every step and every process it took to executing the work for that client. I then wrote out like all of my own best practices or what I was doing. That became like at least for the first two to three years, like the Bible of like how to manage a client. And I think in a sense, that was like my first standard operations procedure. But also that's where I started to get really keen on how to train people or how I wanted things done. And even now, like, you know, I mean, social media marketing changes every day, but like when we were doing social media management, like that was how I was able to also see what wasn't working anymore, especially in social, like what wasn't growing or what wasn't, you know, benefiting the client or benefiting my team. And so, yeah, back then, like I was super gritty and I did it all and was pulling my hair out. And now looking at it, I think that, you know, if you ever go to start your own service-based business, look at your service offerings and really analyze, you know, the hours and time that go into them and then get kind of crafty. You know, how do you scale that? Do you need to hire someone? Do you need to have, you know, a contractor or project manager that comes in and does five hours of this work so that you can focus on, you know, kind of scaling the business or sales or your own personal marketing or whatnot. But I would get super clear on your service offering and then also to how it's scalable, because that's the other thing I think with freelance is that we get so bogged down. We have this awesome service that we're doing, but it's not scalable because we're trying to do so much just on our own time and it doesn't work that way. So the next step is creating the machine, right? It's taking what you can do and the skill set you have and being able to process it across multiple clients or services. Oh, more amazing advice. Once again, I'm like, (laughs) like we're only like 12 minutes in. I'm like, I'm learning so much already, but oh my gosh, it's so helpful to hear. Again, I want people to know you probably won't have all this figured out in your first six months, a year, maybe even two to three years. Like 
I'm almost two years in business and I'm still very much sure. like, why am I doing all this myself? I think something that we've touched on a little bit is money. You were talking about your first few clients making $500 per client and mm -hmm. then hiring. I know that can be scary sometimes because depending on how you hire, you're like, mm -hmm. do I have enough money to pay this person every month? Or if you're taking them on full time, you're responsible for their livelihood. So mm -hmm. did you, I, I feel like no one really talks about this, but did you ever learn how to manage money early on? Or were you just like, oh, I, I have a lot of money now. Let me see what happens. Like, <laughs> did you have help? Did you learn? I'm just so curious about learning to manage money early on. Yeah. I mean, so I come from, I come from a long line of like entrepreneurs. Um, my dad raised, I mean, he's been, he's been the most incredible parent. I loved being raised by him, especially from like a business standpoint. So yeah, I had a little bit of help with understanding. I mean, I knew, I knew, <laughs> I knew how to calculate your profit before I knew like any like simple math. Like <laughs> it was those kind of things. Like that was just the way I grew up. But it was one of those things too, where I would say like really understanding, you know, the revenue of the company and the expenses and what profit meant from an early standpoint, my business. Yeah. I, I knew those things and I knew how to kind of manage my money, but I also really didn't know what I was doing when it came to my expenses. I mean, I invested in all of these different things. I spent money like left and right because I was honestly trying to market myself. And some of those things worked out great. For example, I hosted right honestly before, I mean, I guess influencers were kind of a thing, but forget what year it was, but it was like really like my first year in business. I hosted this influencer brunch and got all of these speakers to come on. I had, which were all from San Diego. So we had like, um, Lena Harris from soul cycle. We had Lauren Everett's Bostic from skinny confidential. We had, um, trying to think of a couple of oh, Geraldine Radura from Holy Matcha and a couple other speakers on there. And I basically just somehow was able to ask for everything to be calmed because of these speakers. And I had every San Diego influencer attend a free brunch. And, you know, I, that came out of Ecos Marketing's money in my own personal pocket, but it worked. And I had built now a, a curated list of 150 San Diego influencers that I knew by name. So yeah. Did I know how to manage money? Not really. Um, <laughs> I don't think, especially if you've never owned your own business, there's a huge learning curve. And the other thing too, is like, you're going to make mistakes, but reshift that mindset of you being afraid to make mistakes into you need to learn and test what works for you and what works for your business. I have a girlfriend that started her agency about three years ago and she decided that she was going to invest in her team first and foremost before the you know before the revenue came in before the clients before the op before any of that and it has worked out so well for her that has not been my story and i love that that works for her and you know we might share a little bit of differences as business owners but that's where she chooses to invest. Our investment looks a whole lot different from I guess marketing agency standpoint, but I can't say that her system in, of managing her money for her own business works better than mine and vice versa. So I think when you go to look at your expenses, to look at your revenue, to set your own goals, 
look at, you know, what are the opportunities in which you're going to make your money like work for you? And, you know, are you going to be kind of willing to, you know, invest here or test that or try that? And there, I don't think there's really anything wrong with that. I mean, you talked about business courses and coaches, like I've had coaches and done so many courses as well. And some of them have been great. There was one where I paid $2,500 on the girl talked to me one time. I never got a dime or anything after like it sucks, but also you don't know what works for you until you try. A hundred percent. I think this is a message that we all need to hear. You're, you are going to make a mistake. It is almost inevitable in entrepreneurship. You might, you'll make a mistake. Go stop and Google the definition. The definition of entrepreneur is someone who takes financial risks that are basically not normal to anybody else. Mm-hmm. That's the definition. You're constantly taking financial risks And this is where tracking your money and knowing where it's going does become really important because I used to do the same thing of like, oh, whatever, like I'll sign up for this software and this and this and this. And I was like, do I even need this software? Or could I just invest it in a person or a system, whatever the case is? But I'm also curious. I know there's people listening that are like, I want to invest in, let's say, an assistant or this software that is really, really good, but I just don't have the actual liquid cash. Mm -hmm. What do I do? What would you recommend? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, there's a couple different options. Um, I, there, the first thing that I would say is look at number one, this role in this position. Is this something that could be long-term? Is it something worth equity? Is it something worth building and having someone come on and you're sharing a bit of your shares with them? Or is it something that, you know, you're not quite ready for because the funds aren't there? Or is it something that, you know, you can work into whether it's like an internship or it's something along the lines of seeking other avenues that maybe aren't going to cost you capital or liquid finance or whatever, or liquid finance, liquid funds. Um, so I think there's a couple different options there, but you, you will have to get creative and you will also have to set yourself up with, you know, is me hiring this person going to build that revenue Or is it going to take away from it? And ultimately, when you go to hire someone, again, I learned this from one of my best friends who also owns an agency. I And again, it took me a couple of years to actually for this to click. But every person that I hire inside of Ecos Marketing should be increasing our revenue. They're not. And my girls, like they know that they know that they have to be managing a certain amount of clients. They know they have to be hitting their goals like month over month. But every person inside of that agency knows that their job is to create more wealth for the company, because ultimately, if they're creating more wealth for the company, they're going to create more wealth for themselves. And that's also, too, something that I think as as entrepreneurs, sometimes we forget is that when we go to hire someone, we need to set this clear expectation of what their job is and how they're contributing back to the company. So if you're looking at hiring you know, how do you, especially starting out, you know, make sure you're measuring that. Is this person going to help your bandwidth? Are they going to free up more time so that you can bring in more sales? Are they going to be doing sales for you? Are they working on a commission basis? Like there's so many different areas of evaluating that person's role and also making sure that it's, you know, financially viable for you and for the company. Don't just hire because you need something done. Hire, you know, for especially when we talk about too, like there's a difference between hiring contractors or hiring employees. 
when you go to hire an employee, it is, I mean, especially in California, it is such a, such a commitment that you need to be very sure about what this person and what their role is and to make sure that it is, again, it's something that's going to be viable for you and, you know, eventually contribute to the success of the company and the success of their own career. Ooh, yeah, that's really big. <laughs> and I want everyone to know too, starting out, you don't have to hire employees off the bat. And you said your friend did, yeah. you can. And that's what we're saying. There's different things that work for different people. So sure. I, I'm still in the face. I haven't hired, hired a full-time employee I probably mm-hmm. will hire my systems person as soon as I can because she's amazing. But <laughs> you just made a really good point of don't just hire them because they can do something for you. I mm-hmm. recently noticed all my sales come from me being a guest on podcasts, mm-hmm. me speaking on my podcast, or me creating a really great email sequence. It is rarely from Instagram. It's usually like the cherry on top. And I was like, why would I put all my eggs in the social media management basket when I could put my eggs in someone that could help me pitch on podcasts. I have direct evidence that that works for me. I have multiple times where someone has said they found me on a podcast, yeah. but here I am putting all my eggs in the Instagram basket. I'm like, that actually doesn't make sense as a business owner for me to invest in social media management when I could, again, be investing in like a, a guest pitching agency. Sure. And I think a lot of people, we just see, we see entrepreneurs and we're like, they're everywhere. They're on Instagram. They're on podcasts. They have a Twitter. They have a website. Like they don't really know what to invest their money in. So Mm -hmm. if you're, if you were going back to Whitney year one and you could have done something a little bit differently, where would you have put your money? Mm. Oh, so many different ways. Uh, I, yeah. Oh my God, my, my brain just like exploded. <laughs> um, so many different ways. Number one, I think that I would have, quite honestly, I would have gone to someone that had a, a successful agency and hired them as a consultant to not just mentor me, but to literally set up my systems. Um, second, I would have gone the contractor route before I ever hired any employees for as long as possible. Um, third, I would have really taken the time to make my first hire someone that I felt like was going to grow the company because their seniority or their experience in one or two tasks was higher than mine. Um, I think that's the other thing too, that I think we don't talk about as entrepreneurs is hiring people that basically outshine our certain skills or that have a higher level of seniority or experience than we do. Um, yeah. I mean, looking back at it now, I'm like, I, I would have done a lot of things differently. Am I grateful for where I'm at now? Yeah. I mean, I've learned all of this and I wouldn't be talking the way I'm speaking. Um, had I not gone through all that and learned for myself, but sure. Those are the things that I would have definitely done differently. Oh, really good tips. We've been talking a lot about systems and efficiency and productivity. Yeah. What is one system that you've set up that you think could translate to other service providers or business owners that has really, really made you more efficient? Um, okay. So as a service provider, number one, your communication, I feel like is what makes a service provider great versus a service provider how do I say this? I want my clients to keep coming back to me. I want my team to feel heard. 
So one of the biggest things inside of Ekus Marketing is our communication. In fact, I just had this conversation with my team this morning on our team call. I'm like, hey, we need to start communicating, over communicating on when clients are going to have their deliverables. Now we have two team meeting calls a week. We do these things called weekly updates and we offer either bi-weekly or monthly calls for our clients. We are constantly, constantly talking to them. And quite honestly, it, number one, it does one of two things. Number one, it figures out if a client is super aligned with us and we are able to build a super strong relationship with them or if they're not a good fit. And then number two, it also is builds this level of efficiency and trust because now if my team's communicating deadlines, if they're communicating expectations, they have to hold themselves to that. And same thing too, if you are a freelancer, think about your communication. Think about the way that you're showing up for your client. And yeah, does it take sometimes extra hours to write that email every single week? Totally. But my clients know. And now, you know what? About the majority of those clients don't even look at the weekly update because they trust that whatever's happening is going to happen. They trust that they're going to get their deliverables on time. They know when to expect it. And I mean, that's even something too, where I'm like, I even told my team, I'm like, I never want a client to ask when they're going to receive something. They should already know. Mm. And if you're not communicating that via their meeting, if you're not communicating that via email or Slack or whatever line of communication you have with them, you're not thinking clear enough ahead and you're not setting up that expectation. So I think as a service provider, communication is huge. Aligning on your own expectations and deliverables is also huge because it creates a roadmap for your systems. Like it creates the timelines. It creates the due dates. It creates how many hours you're spending on what project. And I think setting those expectations up for yourself and for the client early also creates a great relationship. Oh yeah. I feel like the onboarding slash offboarding and, and communication in between is so underrated. People always mm-hmm. talk about like just making the sale and having a great experience during the package. And you're like, the onboarding really could make or break if people are like, What's my next step? Like, who mm-hmm. is who am I in contact with? How do I get in touch with you guys? You need to have an onboarding process and offboarding. Like, when is the project over? Is there anything left? What do, what do we do next? Is there an upgrade option? Those mm-hmm. are things that I feel like you learn again as you go. But it is really important to think about the whole experience, like you said, because now your clients trust you. They know we're going to get this done because we. she knows what she's doing. She's communicated it to us. Yeah. And that's something that I feel like you you've you have this like boss energy, like what you just said, if you guys aren't thinking about this, you're not thinking clear enough. You're not thinking ahead. Mm -hmm. This is what Mm -hmm. I expect. Did you always have that personality or did that develop from (laughs) starting your business? (laughs) Yeah, no. Um, No, there was like a point in time where I was like afraid to like ask my team members to like execute. Like there was a point in time where like I was taking on their own tasks because I didn't feel comfortable like having those conversations with them. And I was trying to honor their own like work style and their work ethic. But honestly, like here, like I'm driving the ship. I know what works. I know what clients are needing. And if I fail to communicate that with my team, my team's going to fail. And not only is the agency going to fail, but my team members are not going to thrive. They're going to be in a career where they think they're doing a good job. And quite honestly, they see this response and they see this, you know, 
whatever work that's not adequate enough for a client. And they're going to be like, but wait a minute, you told me I'm doing everything great. Or why are you taking over this task for me when this is essentially my job? It creates this disconnect and this, again, like there's no transparency. And honestly, when I, in 2020 into 2021, I went through like a lot of like my own self journey and my own, well, you know, my own health journey. And one of the things I started realizing was that I, was really kind of not able to entrust my team and it wasn't anything that they were doing. It was more so the way that I was presenting myself as a leader. And that also created this really kind of weird energy that it almost felt like my team didn't really trust me either because they didn't really know how I truly felt. And so that directness, that clarity, um, it's still hard for me at times. Like there's still times when like, somebody makes a mistake or something doesn't go or a client drops because it wasn't a great experience. And I'm like, you know, it sucks, but I also have to tell the team why I have to explain what happened or I have to call out, you know, whatever mistake was made. And ultimately, if it wasn't, I think, again, as entrepreneurs, we don't want to, we feel selfish when we talk about the, you know, the success of the company. But ultimately, like your your company is only as successful as your systems and the people inside of it. So if I'm not investing in those people, I'm not making them a success, I'm not bettering them, my company will fail. And that has given me a lot of courage and a lot of strength to be able to communicate the way I do. And obviously, it's way easier for me to like say these things on a podcast than it is like right. internally on my team meetings, but you know, it it is something where I have to like kind of you know, like hold my breath and just say it and be direct and be so clear even though I'm like naturally a people pleaser and I want everyone to be super happy and love what they do. Like sometimes I have to be like, "Hey, this isn't this isn't going to work or this isn't going to fly." And that has been a learning experience from being a business owner. It's really interesting to, to number one, I think business brings out, I think it brings out a lot of like the things about us that maybe we're insecure about. I think it really tests the way that we view ourselves, whether it's being a leader, a good communicator, smart enough, talented enough, whatever it is, I think that it really challenges us. Um, but also too, I think it also grows us in this incredible way. Um, the other thing too, is that inside a business, I'm sorry, I'm like totally rambling. Oh, I love it. <laughs> My brain's just on it. Um, you know, the other thing too, is that business really is, you know, we're just dealing with working with people and whether it's a product-based business or a service-based pe- business, you're, you're working with people. And so it's really challenging you as a human being to look at these different skill sets you have, or, you know, the way that you talk to people or the way that you lead or, the way that you go about, you know, a lot of things in your life and it tests you like hard. And that's why I think too, there's such an element of entrepreneurship that goes into mental health and that goes into how we feel spiritually because it's, it's, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. It's really something that you have to internally grab a hold of and be passionate about and walk through and learn as you go. Oh, Yeah. So much to unpack here. I agree. I think something that you said that really stood out was just being clear and direct because they won't know they're doing a good job or a bad job or not. Mm -hmm. And there's that Brene Brown quote that's like, um, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. So I know when we as business owners are saying, you know, that was a mistake, you need, 
you need to fix that next time. Like, that's unacceptable. You yeah. feel like you're saying to them, oh, my God, you dumb idiot. How could you do that? But you're like, mm-hmm. you're not. That's not what you're saying. You're actually no. saying this is just a correction so that we can all win. Like when you're winning, I'm winning. It's not yep. you did bad and I'm better than you. And that's right. something that you said. It brings out this shadow side of us that we're like, oh, my God, am I mean? Am I a bitch? Do people think this about me? Um, my like, I guess, shadow piece that I'm working through is discipline and organization. I've always mm. been a very like chaotic, flowy, go, who cares? We'll figure it out. And now I'm like, that's not scalable. You cannot yeah. just figure things out every week and see what happens. <laughs> that's not how a business operates. Yeah. And my systems person is like, that's her shit. So she's like, Hey, there's like a lot of inefficiencies and it mm-hmm. makes me feel a little insecure. I'm like, am I, am I really like this age? And I don't know how to do this and this and this thing. Like, does she think I'm an idiot? And it's just interesting that we sometimes get in our head. And I want to talk about this mental health piece because it's super important. I'm like, I think along with hiring a systems person and a VA and whoever else you need, you need a therapist. So can we (laughs) talk about the mental health side of things? Like, how do you set boundaries? I think that's a good place to start is boundaries, Mm -hmm. because that's a lot of where a lot of mental health issues come up. We have no boundaries. Yeah. Um, I had zero boundaries for like a really (laughs) long time. I remember like even having like team members be like, yo, like I'm uncomfortable, like answering these texts at late at night. And I'm like, you gotta. And I'm like, now I'm like, like we have literally stated in our contract, like our times of communication. Um, so first and foremost, let's start here. If you do not take care of yourself and it's not like, if you do not, if you do not make sure that you're showing up, taking care of in your power, feeling good, your work is not going to reflect that. Now, if you show up that in front of team members, your team is going to feel that regardless. Like you are the leader. You have to take care of yourself because ultimately, if you don't, you're selling the message to your clients and to your team. It's okay if I don't take care of myself. It's okay if I don't prioritize my means. It's okay if I am constantly stressed or burned out. Because that's also saying to your clients and to your team that it's okay for them to be like that. And it's okay for the work and the quality that you're putting out to be a reflection of that. No one wants that. No brand wants me to represent them when my team's overworked or I'm burnt out. Why? Why would they even pay me money? What is it doing for them? It's doing nothing. So, (laughs) so... (laughs) That is, that is, and again, I, you know, I used to really think, I mean, I used to run myself ragged and there's even times where I have to really check myself um, because it is really hard for me not to want to put in my all. And I think again, as entrepreneurs, we're naturally, we want to do that. We want to give our best. We don't want to stop working because either we feel, you know, we're being lazy with our time. We're not being as sufficient or we could be building while we're resting. And that's something that, we have to understand is, I don't want to say a flawed behavior, but a behavior that could actually hurt you in the long run, because ultimately you only have so much bandwidth. And if you burn through all of that, you're running on, you know, embers, like instead of really being fueled up. So when we talk about like mental health for business, I think the first thing that like comes to me is number one, learning how to set up these boundaries in order to better take care of yourself, learning how to tell your team or yourself, 
hey, my office hours are from 10 to 5. You have plenty of time to communicate within that with to me and outside of that, that is my own personal time. The reason why I have my own personal time like that is so that I could better show up for you. Second, I would have to say is really analyzing like what really you need, whether it's personal care, whether it's slowing down and resting, or, you know, if you're creative, you know, do you need, you know, three weeks to lean into this creative vision versus trying to get it done the next day? What are these things that are going to help you better perform and execute, but also still be able to fill you up so that you could show up in your best light? And I didn't have those boundaries. I didn't have those boundaries for my team. Ultimately, it led to me really like at one point, like I was like thinking about just closing Agus Marketing down. Like I was like, I'm done. I'm over this. It does not fill me. It does not light me up. And honestly, there are some days where sometimes like that feeling still comes back and I have to recognize what I'm doing. And then I realize, like, you know what? Is this service no longer aligned with me? Is this client not a good fit? Is this team member not someone that I'm ready for? Like, what is what is bringing me to that feeling? And then also accepting that I have control over my schedule, over my time, over who I communicate with and making a change and shifting it because that's also a boundary. If something doesn't work, it's not meant for you. Like, let it go. You're able to surrender it. You have the free will to let it go. And there's nothing wrong with saying, this is not a good fit for me. I'm moving on to the next. It doesn't mean that you failed. It doesn't mean that something, you know, you're a terrible person or X, Y, and Z or whatever internal thoughts you're thinking. It means that it wasn't aligned for you in this moment. And it's better to let it go than to keep trying to push yourself to make something happen or make it a success. And again, I'm in service. I'm in an agency that is a huge learning curve when we're talking about revenue, when we're talking about payroll. And I've had to let clients go. I've had to let clients not resign and tell them that we're not resigning with them the next month. Like it sucks and it's really hard and it's terrifying. But ultimately, like I let those clients go and all of a sudden a whole new shift of clients that were so aligned and so perfect for my team came in. And that Truly, spiritually, I totally believe that once you surrender what's not meant for you, something that is meant for you comes right in. Oh, love, love, love this. This <laughs> reminds me of the a book Do Less by Kate Northrup. If you guys haven't mm. checked it out, check it out. There's all these studies of companies that actually tried out a four-day work week so that their employees could have three-day weekends, and they actually saw their revenue increase, their productivity increase. There were yeah. not as many sick days. People didn't have to take off as much because they were actually happy. And it's interesting because if you didn't grow up with that model, you just think I have to put in minimum 40 hours a week and I'll push myself to the max because this is my business. I think there's this element of survival with entrepreneurship. It's like, I have to make this work. So I have to work 24 hours a day. But like you said, that's actually not even sustainable. Looking at a screen all day, I can tell you guys this right now, I'm getting a vision exam in a few weeks. And I'm like, it's because the last month I've been on my computer all day, every day that I like, (laughs) I'm losing like my vision or something. And my Mm -hmm. mom's like, yeah, because you're always on your laptop. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't get it. I have a business. I have to make things happen. But like what you just said, it's like, wait, that actually means I have a bad system set up. If I have to work 14 hours a day, like it either means I'm really inefficient or something. I'm doing something wrong. I don't have the right person in place. 
why am I working 14 hours a day? And then it makes me realize, oh yeah, I need to stop doing that. I need to hire out or I need to have better boundaries. I think a lot of people don't realize what you just said. I have control of this situation. I used to do 90 minute calls twice a week with my clients. And I was at one point took on 10 clients. I was on calls all day, listening to people one-on-one, boxer in between. You could hit me up anytime, Monday through Friday. And I was like, freaking out. My coach is like, why don't you just A, change your hours, B, change the time of the calls. You can change even, you don't even have to answer Voxers. You could do it one time a day. I'm like, oh, what a concept. I can actually change my services and my hours. Like, mm-hmm. didn't realize that. And she's like, yeah, it's your business. Like, you're the boss. And I like that you said that, that this isn't working for me. I'm going to let it go. And usually something better does come along. I, yeah. I think that's really interesting. We always think, oh, this is it. Look, what's going to happen? It's like, I really think the universe rewards you. It's like, let it be easy. And I think that's Mm -hmm. hard for entrepreneurs. We don't, we like the hustle and the grind and like, yes, last minute we got it done. But it's, we're shifting, I think, into a new era of like easy, rested entrepreneurs, not busy, busy, busy working 80 hours a week. Like that's not the vibe anymore. Yeah. Well, I also feel like it's also like the betterment of the quality of work and the betterment of the quality of the energy and the people that you're working with, right? I remember when I started my business, I was working so many hours and I was nannying as extra income. And the little kid goes, why are your eyes red? Like, why are your green eyes red? And I was like, oh my God, because I wasn't sleeping. And then I was showing up to calls with cracked out eyes, tired, Mm. could barely listen. And like you said, my quality of work, I was like, why would someone pay me money to show up and I'm exhausted and I can barely listen to them? I wouldn't want to pay for that. It's really interesting that we think more hours work equals better quality. It's actually quite inverse. Mm-hmm. Totally. So interesting. So I'm curious about y- your day because we're talking about boundaries, productivity, time management is probably really, really key here. So walk us through a day in Whitney's life, including the self-care oh. and personal time. You know, I wish I could say that I was like, I totally have my schedule hacked and it's the best and X, Y, and Z. Honestly, I'm running two companies. It's not like there's so many times of me being out of balance than not. Um, but that's also like the life that I've chosen, especially for, you know, the next couple of years. And I'm, I'm happy with it and it fills me up. Um, but one of the things that I am really big on is number one, giving myself time to, accept my day and then also decompress. And then also as well, taking care of myself and making sure that I'm filling myself up with things that are nourishing. Um, so for example, like my morning routine, I need, I don't, I mean, unless I feel like I've broken this boundary, like the last two weeks. So I'm like (laughs) hesitant to say this on a podcast, but like my normal boundary is that I don't accept any calls before 10 a.m. And that gives me my whole morning to really kind of set up my day and get, you know, I can go for a walk, I can go work out, I can read, I can journal and meditate and kind of be, you know, decompressed before I'm immediately hit with all this information from the businesses. And then after, you know, I try to make a hard stop between 4 to 5 p.m. And you know, kind of get offline, whether that's like, again, like reading or making a meal, like cooking at home or even going out to dinner with like friends or girlfriends or whatnot. I try to really observe those boundaries uh, because there have been times in my life and there I'm sure there will continue to be where I do have to pull the all nighters. I do have to stay up and make sure something gets done in order to hit a deadline. 
And that doesn't ever go away. But if you're really taking care of yourself in the times that you're not pulling those all-nighters, those things are fine. It's okay for them to happen. And sometimes like they do happen in business. Like sometimes you just are out of balance and it's cool. Like it, that's just the nature of it sometimes. Um, but outside of that too, the other thing is like really looking at my own self-nourishment and making sure that I'm happy. Um, and I think for me, it looks a lot like taking time off. It looks a lot like maybe going and getting cupping and massages and, you know, sitting down with my girlfriends to talk about our mental health and to talk about where we're at in life. Even, you know, there was one day I was so stressed. I don't even remember why. Um, but we had our meeting on Monday, our team meeting that usually starts at 10. And I literally text my team and I'm like, I'm not going to be on here. Like I'm not in a good space. You guys aren't going to like my energy. You guys can handle this without me. And I, for whatever reason, that was the best thing possible. I journaled all morning and actually mapped out our entire 2022 plan for Equus Marketing and for Get Super. And I needed that. And so I need, I lean into what nourishes me because when I am nourished, I am able to lead the vision. I'm able to come up with these ideas. I'm able to be my best at the creative mindset. And that's something for me as an entrepreneur, like I have to really look at my days and make sure like I'm not overworking myself. And if I am working, overworking myself, the next week better be just cherry pie and easy and giving me enough time to rest. That being said too, like there's a lot of things that I've had to grow and learn, especially with like friends and family and not giving up my time. Like there's weekends where I have friends and family that are like, we haven't seen you in months. And I'm like, I know. And you're not going to see me this weekend either. And here's why. And that's hard. It's super hard. But I also know that if I continue to just give up myself and give up my time and energy, I'm not, I'm number one, I won't be present with them. And number two, it's not going to benefit anyone in the long run. So there's a lot that I've had to learn about my time and my lifestyle and the changes that I've made. But yeah, that's <laughs> a long winded what a day in the life looks like. <laughs> oh, no. It's so good to hear that you actually even recognize in that one moment, you guys can handle this by yourself. I, I like that you actually gave them that autonomy instead of like, let's just reschedule to another day. You said, I'm not going to show up and you guys got this. That probably prompted them to step in more leadership energy and be like, okay, we're sure. running the meeting without Whitney. We need to take this into our hands. And that probably made them better people in the long run. And then, like you said, you were more nourished after. I think a lot of times we can look to nature to watch how nature works. You don't plant a flower and then the next day expect it to be this beautiful, sturdy mm -hmm. sunflower and yelling at it and like hosing it down with water. Like that's not normal. You wait, yeah. you do what it has to do. You put it in sunlight, you talk, mm -hmm. you, put, you put water on it. I feel like it's the same thing with a business. A lot of us get into business. I feel like this is from social media comparison. And we're like, why am I not hitting this revenue this month? Why am I not at that level? Why did I not get on this podcast? And it's like month three. And I yeah. think people underestimate how much time it takes to really build the business that they want to be, like the build the person they want to be. And I'm curious for new entrepreneurs, what's like probably one of your biggest pieces of advice when it comes to patience and like taking that time to really build that foundation? Um, I mean, that's a, that's a hard one because I think we all, we obviously all want to see growth and we all want to see, you know, 
exponential growth, like especially month over month. Um, I would say that being patient can look like one of two things. Being patient can kind of look like, you know, hands off, kind of just waiting for the opportunities to come to you or being patient can also look like bettering and building. And I think if you shift that into, you know, okay, maybe I'm not where I'm wanting to be revenue wise this month. What are three things that I can do to either reflect on why I'm not at that revenue level or how I'm going to get to that revenue level next month? Um, Same thing with your growth. Like being patient can look like, okay, like this is, you know, reevaluating my systems, training my team. When the 20, when 2020 happened and we lost like 75% of our business in the agency, um, I was super panicked and it felt like, like the world had just tied both my hands behind my back. I mean, I couldn't sign brands. No one wanted to do anything. There was major layoffs. Like everything was really wild. And there, there were two things that we did that really changed the guts of the company. And one of them was that we took all that downtime and reinvested it into training our team. So we learned like Pinterest, we learned ads, we did a bunch of different things. And second, because we were doing that, we were able to catch on to this, you know, the D to C boom during 2020 and be able to lean into the education around direct to consumer and expand our business. So being patient can look like multiple things for multiple people. But usually if you're being patient, there's some sort of opportunity in there for you to grow in some way. And sometimes it's reflection on your business and the ways you can better it. Sometimes it's rest. Sometimes it's, you know, education and learning and reevaluating things. But I think that for a new entrepreneur, don't be so quick to judge yourself on your timeline and on your patience be more inquisitive of what is actually going on and what's going to better you in the long run. Love that. Don't judge yourself. I think something that always helps is either A, looking at how long it took an entrepreneur to get to the place where they wanted to be. That's why I love listening to how I built this because I'm like, oh my God, this person took like 17 years, was hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt before they actually hit their stride. They didn't just open the business in month one. We're off to the races. Yep. And number two, we're doing our best. Like entrepreneurship, you're starting out wearing 15 hats. All of a sudden, you're a social media manager, an email marketer, a CPA, a, a salesperson. Like you're everything. Yeah. And then we're so hard on ourselves. And I'm like, unless you went to school for all these 15 things and specialize in it, there's going to be a learning curve and probably 75% of it. So yeah. I think something that helps me is, I have this little planner next to me. And instead of planning things, I write down things I did that day that I want to give myself credit for. Because I think entrepreneurs, we sometimes get down on ourselves if we didn't make a sale or something big didn't happen. And sometimes I have to look and be like, you know what? You got, you cleared your inbox. Good for you, Chelsea. You did it. Great. You, you finally tracked your finances from this week. Like I have to reward myself because it's a lonely journey too. So I would love to hear final thoughts on really staying in the game, like keeping your head in the game and giving yourself the credit you deserve. How would you recommend people do that? Yeah. Um, number one, I do this like kind of money date slash like monthly celebration. So I'm super goal oriented. I'm super timeline driven. Like I am an executor when it comes to due dates and that's just the way my brain works. So for me, 
when I need to really reflect on being positive or what's like good that's happening, maybe I didn't have such a good month. I'll revisit all these goals that I wrote at the beginning of 2022 or again, 2021. And then I'll write down all the things that went great that month. Um, you know, did we bring on something, you know, did we get a hit with PR? Did we go on this awesome podcast? Like what were the things that were awesome for me that month? And then from that, I'll also reflect too on maybe what's like going on in the finances that need a little bit of adjustment, or maybe, you know, it's a time to look into certain services or tweak X, Y, and Z. So first and foremost, always celebrate because also too, if you're not celebrating, you're going to be extremely hard on yourself and not even giving yourself a moment to reflect on the good things and what you've already built, which is really important. Um, and it also helps you to like, re- like it's, it's a really reassuring, like uplifting thing when you do this. And then second also too, like really reflecting on where you want to be. Right. So honestly, like if let's just say like, you know, your goal is to hit six figures at, by the end of the year, and maybe you only made 10 grand this month. Like what, what, it, what happened in this month? And what long term are you going to be able to reflect on and analyze and know that this didn't work? Maybe you spent too much money. Maybe you, you know, didn't do enough sales. Maybe a client service isn't working out and it's wasting all your time. Like those are opportunities when something doesn't go wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean that something's wrong. It just means that you need to shift or you need Mm -hmm. to learn. Yes. Failure is not actually failure. It's just a learning lesson. It's feedback. So yeah. Thank you for saying that. Well, I just have one final question that I ask all my guests. This podcast is called In My Non-Expert Opinion, and clearly you are an expert in marketing and entrepreneurship, (laughs) but what is something you're not an expert in that you wish that you were? Oh, law. (laughs) (laughs) If I could know California law, oh my God, or business law, like the back of my hand, I would be virtually unstoppable. That and real estate, those are the two topics I wish I just knew so much better. Love that. Well, maybe we'll see in 2023. You're like law, real estate, marketing guru, like Kim Kardashian, yeah. just going after it. Yeah, we're gonna see Whitney. Like, guys, I have, I just got my law degree, so I'm excited. Thank you so much. This has been such an incredible conversation, and I know you have amazing services and products. Where can everybody find you? Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys can learn more about the agency at ecosmarketing.com. It's literally just my last name. You can find our newest baby, which is our hemp-infused instant coffee, um, Get Super, at G-E-T-S-U-P-R.com. There's no E in super. Then you guys can follow along in my personal journey um, and listen to our podcast at Under the Influence Podcast or Whitney Eckes. Amazing. Thank you so much, Whitney. Thank you so much, Chelsea. It's been a pleasure. Well, there you have it, a serial entrepreneur giving her best advice, what struggles she's overcome, how she did it. I know personally, this was really, really helpful for me as someone who's only been in business less than two years. So really hearing from someone a few years ahead of me is always helpful. So I really hope you found as much value as I did. If you've enjoyed this show or the podcast in general, please consider leaving a review. They are so, so helpful and help me book more incredible guests like Whitney and grow the show. Just be sure to head to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And don't forget, if you take a screenshot, send it over to me, info at ChelseaRife.com or at Chelsea Rife, you will get a Notion podcast launch plan. 
This has video tutorials, steps, questions. This really is everything you need to launch a podcast. And this is what I give to my private clients. So you're getting this completely free by just leaving a review again on Apple Podcasts. Write that review, send it over to info at chelsearipe.com and you'll get this Notion podcast launch plan. All right, everyone, be sure to support Whitney. Check out all the links in the show notes. Listen to her podcast, support her work, go by super, and you know where to find me. I will see you next week.